Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge Podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I'm your host, Rebecca Theodore Vashaw, and on this episode, I am joined by Ashley Ray, critic and host of TV I Say Podcast, as we discuss the HBO documentary, There Is No I in Threesome. Take a listen. Welcome, Ashley Ray, to the Spectrum Lounge. Hi, I am so happy to be here. So I yeah. really am so happy to talk about this movie. I know you have like the perfect radio voice. Like your voice is just the best. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. I, my best friend in high school, she was like the prettiest girl in our class. And her dad said to me one time, you know, you uh, have a beautiful voice for radio. And so I, I, I that means a lot. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I was always like, I was always like, at least I have that. Like I'm not as pretty as her, but like I, I have the radio voice. So <laughs> Um, well, I, it's funny that we were actually introduced because, um, this podcast of course is a review for no I and threesome, the documentary on HBO max. And, uh, I was, I think it was like a few weeks ago, I was tweeting about it. I hadn't seen it yet, but I had seen some of the reviews and Brooke Obi um, was kind enough to tag us. Because I was like, are there any like, you know, are there any um, critics who are actually knowledgeable about polyamory that can talk in a mature way about this yeah. documentary? And Brooke was like, oh, here's this review from Ashley. You know, she's queer. She's black. She's polyamorous. And I was like, perfect. I got to have her on my show. <laughs> yeah. And on my end, I was like, I since I, I first saw the trailer for for There Is No I and Threesome, I was like, I need to scream about this to anyone who will listen uh, as one of the you know few sort of out there poly critics who is talking about pop culture uh, and how the media portrays polyamory. I saw so many red flags almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know you wrote a review. What, um, wh- which uh, publication was that? Uh, published on? Yeah. So originally for TV, I say my podcast, which also has a newsletter. When the trailer came out, I rushed to the podcast and my newsletter just to write about it. Uh, so TV, I say, check it out. Uh, but from there, I I just waited for it to actually come out so I could actually see it and see if the red flags I saw in the trailer that gave me initial concern uh, were valid. Uh, and once the film came out and I saw that I was absolutely right, uh, I, I actually was so upset and so angry that when when publications, some of the, the publications I write for asked me to do a proper review once it was out. And I yeah. couldn't because it, I just realized I was so angry at the, the entire conceit of the film that I was like, there's no way I can give this a fair review without right. me just being like, this is about a horrible man who tried polyamory and then realized he was a horrible man when all the women in his life left him, which is basically right. what this movie is. This isn't really a documentary about polyamory. Uh, it, it's not a documentary about, it's not even a documentary, really. Right, <laughs> um, right. We'll which have is, to talk I think, about that twist. Yes, that's the biggest, the biggest issue I take with it is that I saw this as, you know, the way they're positioning it is in the trailer. He says, I want to show people there's an alternative to monogamy. That's why I'm making this. So everyone is kind of going into it thinking, okay, what is this going to show me about alternatives to monogamy? And you spend most of the film thinking, okay, this is a horrible depiction of those alternatives. <laughs> like these people don't know what they're doing. Right. They're not following. Can, yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I just wanted to ask, can you just give our listeners just basically a, a quick synopsis of what No I and Threesome is about? Yeah. So, 
so like I said, the, the initial conceit as you begin the film uh, is that it is a documentary made by a couple together uh, filming their their journey into an open relationship. Uh, they have been dating for, I believe it is five years, uh, and they have been engaged for a year when they decide to do this. Uh, and they're a year away from their wedding when they're like, let's try opening things up. Uh, they give a lot of reasons about why they want to open things up. None of them are, part- all of them are kind of red flags for people who are polyamorous. There are a lot mm-hmm. of the typical red flags you see where they're like, well, it's all about our sex lives. And, you know, it's about our, we want to feed our egos is an actual thing they say for why they want to do this. And anyone who's actually poly would tell you the last thing it's about is your ego. <laughs> You know, when you're inviting other people, yeah, when you're inviting other people into your life and your relationships, you, your ego is on the backest of back burners Mm -hmm. uh, when you have to, you know, care about other people. So that is sort of the conceit of the film is, you know, let's see how this couple handles an open relationship. Uh, And if you've never sort of seen that or experienced, if you don't have much, you know, knowledge of polyamory, and I feel like most people still don't. I mean, a lot of times I... I've been poly for so long. I a lot of times assume everybody is on the same page as me and I can be like, you know, that unicorn and everyone is going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then I'll like have a meeting with like an exec who's like, I don't understand what you're talking about, like a unicorn in this script or something. And I'm like, you know, like a unicorn, like a bisexual polyamorous woman. And they're like, that's not a common thing <laughs> that everyone knows about. <laughs> right, right. So, so I- I was going to ask you if you could break down, because I feel like this podcast uh, with this episode, I not only do I want to, do we want to talk about no I and threesome, but I really want to kind of, maybe we can educate some people. Uh, at yeah. least Polly, can you kind of tell us what the different, like what the definition yeah. is of polyamory is and not yeah. monotony? Yeah, because it, it is pretty important to the film. And I will say in, in There Is No I in Threesome, this couple doesn't even seem to have a very good knowledge of the differences. Uh, they they very blatantly are like, we do not, we didn't read any books. We're just figuring this out. Uh, but if you sort of look at like a giant umbrella of, of non-monogamy, there's basic non-monogamy, which can be cheating. That's, you know, non-monogamy. It's bad. Then there's ethical non-monogamy, uh, and that is where you're going to get open relationships, polyamory, polygamy, everything falls under that ethical non-monogamy umbrella. And then underneath that, there's differences. So polygamy and polyamory aren't the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Not Ethical non-monogamy and polyamory technically aren't the same thing. Uh, right. You can be in an open relationship and have a primary that you're monogamous with, And maybe you two have an agreement that says once every blue moon, you can, you know, sleep with someone in another state. That is a version of ethical non-monogamy, but it isn't necessarily polyamory because you're not inviting a second or tertiary partner into your relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a small difference. uh, But typically the people who fall on the open relationship ethical non-monogamy end are people like swingers who are very focused on like maybe a kink lifestyle or it's all about sex. So that would be the couple in this movie. Right. If if someone had just come to them in the beginning and said, Hey, you're not actually like the world's most interesting depiction of polyamory. You're actually just like some kinky swingers. We could have all saved ourselves some time. Like you don't (laughs) want to be polyamorous. You just want to go to a a BDSM club with your, with your fiance. And that's totally fine. 
but because it's because people like conflate these terms and and don't really look into you know how these are different versions of ethical non-monogamy they all kind of conflate it as one thing and that's what happens really quickly and why things get messy for them in the movie right right they don't have these clear boundaries it starts as oh, this is just a fun thing where, you know, I think it's hot when she is like sleeping with a guy and I'm there over FaceTime and this is hot. And then it grows from that ethical non-monogamy to an actual polyamorous relationship when she's like, I don't just want sex with other people. And Mm -hmm. also he on his end starts once that happens, he's like, well, then I'm going to go get a girlfriend. And that was the biggest red flag in the whole movie is when he starts dating this other girl and he goes, I met her on Sunday and now she's going to be a part of our lives and I can't wait for her to meet my fiance and I love her. Oh, God. Oh, my, <laughs> and my God. Thing is, if you're, if you're rem- reminiscing on when you met someone and you can say a day of the week, you haven't mm-hmm. known them long enough. <laughs> if, like if you're like, oh, I met her uh, Monday, it's not right. long enough for you to be using words like love. And that is the person who probably wants to just cause drama in your relationship. But he just goes with it and it starts to just be like, yes, now I have a girlfriend and a fiance. And you can tell it's more about him having those those sort of collectibles is how he treats them as, you know, I have a girlfriend and a fiance. Look at me versus I am in this relationship dynamic because it's what I want and this is what's best for us. And I love these two women. Uh, It's, again, all about his ego. Yeah. Yeah. I I did want to talk to you about that because one of the things that I noticed when you know HBO Max's uh, Twitter account, when they started uh, advertising uh, No Eye and Threesome, once it it went live on HBO Max, they had the poster right, and so the promo poster is uh, Zoe, the 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 fiance, and she is between. I guess they're in a bed. So uh, the filmmaker, her fiance John Oliver Lux, is on the left side, and then her other partner Tom is on the other side, right? So it's yeah. it's the MMF, right? Is one woman, two men, right? Yeah. And what was fascinating to me, well, fascinating in the in the, the way that it's really sad, it was just reading all the comments that were underneath there. Now, and let me be clear. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I think monogamy is valid. I think polyamory, like whatever it is, if you're two consenting adults and you're not hurting each other, I think it's all good. But it was really fascinating to see like the judgment. Like these are people who had not even yep. seen it. And they were just like, People were quoting Bible verses. They were like, this is why we're going to hell. This is Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. And, oh, I, couldn't gosh, help, yeah. and I, couldn't, I couldn't help but think if it was the reverse, if it was him in between two women, would we have gotten the same results? Because I wanted to talk to you also about yeah. sort of like and the it, double standards of, of the representation. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that double standard is clear in the film. I mean, just like she has two partners, he has two partners. We see them have a threesome with her boyfriend we also see them have a threesome with his girlfriend so you know hbo very well could have you know marketed it this the other way they knew what they were doing it Mm. there's something about women who embrace polyamory that angers people uh Mm. and i've seen that in my own life i wrote a piece for the guardian about you know what it's like to be poly in quarantine and you know, how at points in my life, I've had eight partners, and I've talked about things like that. There were replies to that article that were like, you are breaking down the building blocks of civilization, and you're going to hell. Oh, yeah, and it's your fault, Ashley. Yeah, it's all my fault. It's me as a as a solo poly girl. I am the reason that Texas froze over. Uh, it's all me. 
<laughs> so there's there's something about women embracing it that makes men angry. And not only that, but it's also polymen because the whole sort of conceit of the film is this man whose wife embraced polyamory, found someone who, you know, met her her desires and requirements and left him. And he gets so angry at her that he makes a movie where he hires an actress to play her so he can just create this like fictional depiction that people can hate. I mean, at the end, anyone who's watching it, people who are who don't even watch it, they're either going to not watch it and say, oh, this horrible poly woman who, you know, is the downfall of society, or they're going to watch it and say, oh, my gosh, this horrible woman who victimized this nice guy. (laughs) You know, and, and when you're watching it, you realize how little we see of Zoe's point of view. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, it, before the twist, you're kind of like, at least I was kind of like, before the twist, I kept going, why do we keep seeing so much of him? How is there not more of what she is feeling through this process? How How is he not asking her more questions about like what she likes about Tom and what, you know, polyamory means to her? And we kept seeing that from his point of view. He would do these long montages that were like, here's what I love about Zoe Oh, she's so silly. Oh my goodness. But there's not one damn moment uh-huh. when they, when we see Zoe go, here's what I love about Ollie. Yes. So the whole time you're like, there's this weird imbalance. And then we get to the twist, uh-huh. uh, which I'll, I'll state plainly and clearly. I, you know, haven't really, I, I, I kind of like to be like, oh, no spoilers about it, but I. Oh no, spoilers are welcome. That yeah, cool. <laughs> so this is the big, this is the big twist uh, about. Uh, with like 10 minutes left in the film, he reveals uh, that actually him and Zoe broke up like five years before and everything that we have seen was recreated by actors. Uh, his parents in the film were real. Uh, his friends were real. Some of the the voices, the voiceover that we heard was actually, you know, phone messages from Zoe, the real Zoe. Oh, uh, and some of the footage of just him was from his relationship with the real Zoe, but most of it was recreated with actors uh, so that he could finish the story. Because obviously when they were doing this and his fiance left him, uh, she didn't want to make it anymore, which I think right. is a healthy choice on the the original, the real Zoe's part. I want to know everything about the real Zoe because she comes out as the best looking person in this whole documentary. But he wouldn't let it go. And so he kind of talks about, and the end, the twist is, you know, I actually realized I was the cause for my relationship issues. It had nothing to do with polyamory. I never even wanted to be poly, but it was my ego. And then he shows us a few clips of him being like a jackass to his fiance. And then he's just kind of like, so yeah, that's, that's my life. (laughs) Uh, like once that reveal is made and you realize, oh, everything I've just seen was fake. Uh, and really, this is just about a guy who, you know, was an asshole, lost his fiance, lost his girlfriend and then realized it and then hired actors to just relive the worst moments of his life. You kind of think, I don't know, is this just it, it feels more like, oh, this could have been a take on maybe someone's mental breakdown or someone really coming to terms with themselves. But instead, that reveal is just saved until the end, as though it's just supposed to be a shocking twist that that's good enough to exist on its own. Yeah, I I have to admit, I was um, I already was just finding a lot of like you, I found a lot of things that were problematic um, just from the beginning where he said something like, um, 
I want to sow my wild oats, right? Like uh, once yeah. they just agreed to to get engaged, they were like, I just want to get it out of my system. And then he said something about, um, you know, having this open relationship will allow us to cheat on each other. And I'm like, bruh, that- if you're, if it's, if it's consensual, it is not cheating. It's not it's cheating. Yes. Yeah. Right from the beginning, you're like, you two don't know what you're talking about. Why At would all. you think we're the ones who should film ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's I think like the white hubris of it that these two people who are like we barely understand the definitions of polyamory we have been doing this for two months are like hand us some cameras we need to inform the world and educate everyone right like, just from that point it's a little like okay but then it it just reaches a point where it it feels so staged that it isn't even a natural exploration of two people yes. who don't know what they're doing because. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, before the reveal, I was like, there's a scene where he is talking about a penis pump and Mm -hmm. she just like happens to be eating a giant raw carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Like she just happens to be like, oh, I just was like munching on this perfectly raw, like giant carrot. And he's like, well, then let me use that to show you how a penis pump works. And you you start to like question kind of like, okay, why does this feel so staged? The breakup that they inevitably have feels really staged. Right. And then when the twist happens, you're like, oh, so actually this isn't even like a a look into how people can misunderstand polyamory. This is really just like one man who like kind of created a lifetime reenactment movie movie of his, his, his marriage falling apart. (laughs) Like that, (laughs) that's what it is. I mean, and when you, when you think about it, it's like really crazy. Like there's that part where he, he delivers this long monologue Mm -hmm. just direct to the camera where he's like, describes the threesome that he has with his fiance and her other boyfriend. And he like slowly is recounting, like, you know, sleeping with this other man and sucking a dick for the first time and all this stuff. And he's like, they're in the shower and, you know, I, I don't like to shower. And he's, like, doing all of this. And I was watching this, like, this doesn't feel real. Something feels off here. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, but then I was like, okay, he clearly is focused on the documentary. So maybe that's, you know, him being very just detached from what occurred. And then once the twist happens, you're like, wait a second. This guy hired actors so he could deliver a monologue he wrote about a threesome with his ex fiance from five years before. <laughs> It's true. I actually read an interview with um with the filmmaker. He said that uh when they decided to cast Tom, right? Her her other lover, um they purposely I think the pr- producers um had suggested to him that he not be part of the casting uh decision because he was like they wanted to kind of create like this animosity or competition between them online. Um I yeah. mean on on screen, which I thought was I guess kind of interesting, but it's like, yeah, like the reveal to me, it just felt, I guess he was trying to do a aha, but I felt like, yeah, it, it, there were so many missed opportunities in this documentary. I mean, besides the fact that, I mean, yeah. just from a cinematic point of view, I don't think it was a well-made documentary, no, but also, I mean, yeah, we watch in that same vein, we watch him give himself an enema for a fake threesome he staged with actors. That's like, as soon as like that happened in the twist yeah. game, I was like, wait a minute, you watched me give yourself an enema for no reason, for no reason. That wasn't, that oh did gosh. what? Oh my gosh. It was just, I, I will say this. And I, you know, I talked to a friend of mine about this and I was like, 
and this goes to like the missed opportunity with no I and threesome. Like I felt like this could have been a really teachable moment, right? Yeah. Like what what happened happened, right? He can't go back in the past and he can't change it. But I was like, it could have been really interesting if he had hired, say, like some talking heads, like some polyamory experts or psychologists or therapists that could have helped to contextualize to the viewers what it is that they're watching, right? Like just like certain terms. Like for me, like I've had to educate myself on polyamory. Like I was like the same way people practice monogamy, people practice polyamory and everybody's poly is different, right? No two people practice. It's it's all, yeah. And you know, it can vary from like my version, which I do solo polyamory. It Mm -hmm. can, you know, be multiple marriages And it seemed like for them, all they really cared about was the salaciousness of the sex angle. It it wasn't, you know, let's like bring in people to understand, you know, our mindset or why we do this. It was just here is so much gratuitous footage of us making out with strangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So much making out with strangers in that film. So much kissing footage. That was very hard to watch in the movie. But it was just so much, you know look at us at a sex club, look at us get ready to go to a BDSM club. Oh my goodness. Isn't that shocking? Isn't that interesting? And it's a little like you're cutting yourself short. There's a way more interesting mental breakdown happening here that is pretty clear from anyone who is actually poly from the onset. And it would have been better to almost see the actual footage of, you know, the moments where he, and I think that's what he doesn't really show us is that Zoe comes off looking a lot worse because mm-hmm. I mean, the movie's made by her ex fiance who, you know, doesn't, who doesn't pick like flattering footage for her. She comes off as like very kind of selfish and standoffish at points. Yes. And then he comes off, you know, you sympathize with him for most of it. And then at the end he throws in footage that's like, Oh, but here's how I was an asshole about my career. And I was like, I am sure if you had had an outside person actually put this together as a documentary, they would have found a ton of footage of you being an asshole about polyamory in the beginning. And that would have been kind of better to see is, you know, is to really see beyond, you know, this is exciting and sexy. I know that he was one of those like pretentious poly people who was like, you know, we're just so much more evolved than our friends And Mm -hmm. I think that would have given sort of a better framing of this is not a documentary about polyamory. This is a documentary about sort of how toxic masculinity is was a symptom of one man's, Mm. you know, like polyamory is just a symptom of his toxic masculinity. Like, that's all it is. This is not a a documentary about polyamory. Mm -hmm. And I, I think then we would have been able to see that more. But instead, you know, he tries to be all. I'm showing you an alternative. I'm the smart white man who figured this out. <laughs> and and no, but you bring up a really good point because that's something that I've, you know, I, when I have discussions with people about polyamory or non-monogamy is I was like, it's really about, it's not the institution itself, whether it's monogamy or polyamory or non-monogamy, there's nothing inherently wrong with them. It's what people bring into it, right? The same way you can have a toxic monogamous male partner, you can have a toxic polyamorous male po- partner. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. It's, it's really about what you bring into it, who you are as a person. I think what you're saying is, is dead on is the fact that this was somebody who had lots of issues before he decided to become polyamorous and he just decided I'll just use polyamory as a way for me to just you know get my rocks off and sleep with a whole bunch of people and and make my ego feel good and Mm -hmm. you know honestly I think if he had had been honest about it it could have been a more interesting film and what makes me so angry is that 
we have so many depictions of of poly men that are positive or at least like culturally acceptable like you know people watch sister wives and they mm-hmm. like love that husband and his wives people loved big love and mm-hmm. so to me for him to like recreate this story to create a character out of his ex-fiance who he knew would just be villainized mm-hmm. that's where it just makes me so angry because i was like not only is this just going to be misunderstood as something about polyamory, but it's going to be another thing where people go look at these selfish women, look at, you know, how women who claim this aren't, you know, really, it's not as, as, you know, virtuous as these men. It's not the same as like these men who make multiple women, their wives. This is just her like being a selfish slut. And it feeds into that narrative. And, you know, I've saw so many comments that were just like, Zoe's the worst person. Oh my God, Zoe didn't even try to understand him at so many points. And it's like, do you not understand that that's not really Zoe? (laughs) That's a character. (laughs) He created her. We don't know what Zoe did or didn't do. We only know what he's showing us that Zoe did. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And it's, um, and that's the thing is like, it's at least for me, it's like women get, the brunt of that when we talk about poly, like any woman who wants to show any type of sexual agency, it's like the word slut has, it still has such power, right? I mean, I know in the feminist movement, we're trying to reclaim that word, but for a woman, like that's for a lot of them, that's like their biggest fear, right? Like yeah. to be called, you know, that like, I actually, there was somebody, I, I follow him on Instagram. I can't remember his name right now. I think it's, his name is brother to the night. And he posted this Instagram <laughs> picture. Um, he's black. And it was, uh, it was him, another man and a, like a black woman was in between them. Her, she wasn't showing her face and it was around Valentine's day. So this was like 2019. And the post said, he was like, you know, you guys, how you love to ask for threesomes for your Valentine's Day or, you know, ask your 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 wife or girlfriend for another woman. He was like, can you guys do the same thing if your woman asks for a three with another <laughs> man? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Comments. They were like, that's uh, immediately it was you're gay. Any guy who agrees. Yeah. And and then it was like, uh, oh, I, you know, this one guy came on pontificating, like, I would never disrespect, you know, that's somebody's mother or somebody's sister or daughter. And, you know, I, I, I don't disrespect women like that. And I was like, oh, until you want another woman for a three way, then it's OK. Yeah. Then it's right? OK. But if it's yeah. too mad, then it's they instantly kind of go to the, the imagery of like, oh, that's that's like a woman getting a train run on her. That's a yes. woman, you know, they, they pull up the like soul ties nonsense where they're like oh is you know the more body counts a woman has it devalues her but that's not the case with men you know a man can sleep with you know ollie could have had 20 girlfriends in the movie and people would have been like oh she should have zoe should have done better to understand him and Mm -hmm. if zoe just slept with one person she was always going to look like the villain so it's just the most frustrating double standard and this movie probably had the best you know, knowing that it was mostly recreated, it had still the best opportunity out of maybe any documentary about polyamory to explore that. Like we finally could have really looked at that double standard, especially with him knowing he was recreating this, but he still doesn't. He still just embraces the double standard for his own benefit so that you sympathize with him. Like when it got to the end and he was just like, I've lost my fiance and my girlfriend I was just like, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, listen, is there any surprise there? I'm like, like, I think it was, what was so frustrating was like, like they just, like he fumbled the ball, like pretty much at every, and I wanted to ask you something about this. Cause this is, this was sort of like how I was feeling and I could be wrong. And let me be clear. I don't think there's anything wrong with threesomes or three ways or group sex. I think it's all good and valid, yes. but it did feel to me that. Because remember, like you said earlier, there was a threesome between his new girlfriend and the fiance. So two women and a man. Right. And then a little bit later, that's when he had the threesome with his fiance and her new boyfriend, Tom. It did feel to me, I could be wrong, at least with the threesome with Tom and Zoe. Right. There was a, I felt like there was some manipulation there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, kind of I, like, yeah, inserting so I felt there was, I felt there was manipulation on mm-hmm. both ends for both mm-hmm. of their three sons. Yes. In that they both clearly, like, they both, cl- like, first of all, polyamory 101, you do not have to have a relationship with your partner's partners. Right. Uh, so we call them metamores. Uh, mm-hmm. You do not have to have a relationship with your partner's metas. You, your partner should never force you to have a relationship with their partners. That is like boundary 101. You know, if, if your, if your girlfriend says, yeah, I'm down with an open relationship, but I don't want to hear what you do with other girls. There's no reason for you to come back and say, so this is this girl I'm seeing and should we do this? And like, oh my gosh. And I'm so excited. And one of the biggest red flags for me was that both of them, as soon as they were meeting these other people were like, I can't wait for you to meet Ali. I can't wait for you to meet him. And he was immediately like, well, I I just can't wait for you to meet my fiance. And it wasn't at all about sort of establishing their own relationship with these other people, Mm -hmm. but uh, sort of immediately creating this, you're going to meet my other partner. And if you like me, you're going to like them. And the three of us are going to be together, which is like, no, it should never be that way. (laughs) You know? Right. Okay. Just to, to to our listeners, what a metamor is. Yeah, so a metamor is your partner's partner, basically. Uh, so if I was seeing a guy and he had a wife, his wife would be my metamor. Right, right. So and yeah. we just we we just call it meta. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you if yeah. you're using the cool kid online poly slang, you know, as you'll often see in poly forums, people are like, "I'm having issues with my metas," um, and but it's like for me personally, I yeah. am solo poly. I don't mm. like to deal with anybody's mess. <laughs> it's enough for me to have multiple partners. I'm not trying to deal with your other partners. Like there are some cases where I'll be like, oh yeah, that person seems cool. Like let's all get a coffee or something. But I, I'm never like, oh, if I'm dating you, I have to go meet all your other partners. And there are other people, you know, who feel differently. And I have dated guys who are like, yeah, so I am actually in couples therapy with my two partners and my partner's husband, and we all go in a four like group therapy thing, and that's how involved they are in their meta's lives. Wow! Um, but uh, it, even in that case, it's still you know all of the people involved have agreed. It's yeah. it wasn't like default, and in the documentary, they default to that. They default to you're going to be in the life of my partner. And so with that in mind, when we get to the threesomes, they both feel manipulative because this other girl signed on to date him. She didn't sign on to like date him and sleep with his fiance. Right. But then he basically creates this dynamic where it's like, well, 
if you want to be with me, you're going to do that. And she's like, okay, I'll go with it. And then it's like the same on her end. That's what she does with Tom. It's like, well, Tom, and at that point, what the film, what it it does, they, they do a really good job depicting, I think, how Tom gets feelings for her that part did feel believable to me uh even though that is two actors but at least that turn i like the moment that that she has deeper feelings for tom i saw that switch yes so you know that she has deep feelings for him you know he has feelings for her and then she has been focused on like making this threesome happen too and then also you have ollie who is like eager to like insert himself and is like right. also eager to take advantage. So in that whole thing, I just felt so bad for Tom. I could just, yes. I, I mean, it was, I could just see that that actor did a brilliant job of like mm-hmm. the the first scene when he meets Ollie, like in their outside that car. Yeah. He did such a good scene of, of job of just like kind of holding himself back. And then, you know, like Zoe is the one who says hug him and like tells them to do it, which again, breaking sort of that boundary mm. of like, you don't need to make, you can't, force your partners to engage with each other physically. That's you don't do that. Right. So he does such a good job of like being in this situation where he knows Ali is trying to intimidate him and insert himself. And they like do this like weird thing where they all go out dancing. Mm hmm. But at the same time, I just like, yeah, the only person I felt bad for was Tom. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was weird. I think um, the part that was like, again, so many red flags, but there it was the one uh, where he woke up the next morning and was doing this monologue. <clears throat> and he talks about how when Zoe and Tom were in a relationship together, he had said that they had to use a condom. Yes. Then when he and Tom got together, he was like, well, oh. I wanted to control can you talk a little bit about that? Cause that God, yeah, I I really truly tried to erase that from my memory. <laughs> I the, as soon as he did that monologue, the first thing I tweeted was, "This condom monologue is my hell. <laughs> it is my personal hell." So obviously, when you're poly, condom use is is a very important boundary you need to talk about uh, with your partners. You know. If you have a primary and a secondary, do you only use condoms with your secondary? Or, you know, if they're in your main polycule, do you not use condoms? All of that is a conversation you have to have. Uh, So there's this moment where he's doing this big monologue and he says specifically, like, I took the condom off of Tom's dick and, like, put him inside of her so that I could be the one to remove this, like, boundary between them. As though it is a boundary he could remove, right? (laughs) It's like, yeah, he can like tell his, like Zoe, like, yes, I am comfortable with you doing that. But it's not his boundary to remove or to give or permit. It is totally Zoe. Like she, like... And the second he was kind of like, this was my decision to allow them to be like this together. I was like do you think you have this type of control over their emotions or how they feel about each other physically? Like I, like they weren't waiting to be deeper involved until you peeled a condom off of him. Like, and that's, (laughs) I I just think it like shows at its heart sort of how all of it is about Ollie's like need to just inflate his ego and to believe like, I have the power to allow this man to love Zoe when it's like, no, dude, you don't have any power over this situation. Right, right. I mean, I think one of the, and this was few, one of the one things that I liked about um, 
the documentary, I think this is like 20 minutes in where they were talking about why they wanted to be poly. <clears throat> and I think Ali said something to the effect of um, he kind of liked the idea of poly because with different partners, it brings out different parts of yourself. And yeah. I wish that I wish they had expanded on that. I wish yes, they had expanded me too. on that. Oh, I did too, because I was just like, wait, what sides of you do you have that you can't show your fiance? Like mm-hmm. who is, why are you marrying this woman if there are sides of yourself that you have to hide? And, you know, I, I think that's maybe a, a misconception that poly people have about polyamory is that, you know, you want to sneak around and like, I don't know, have secret kinks with other partners or something, or you don't think your primary is going to like what you like. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the case. It shouldn't be I am bringing other people into my life because I I need to express something I'm hiding from someone else. It should be like, this is more about me being my most open and honest self to everyone in my life. Right, right. Um, So I did want to talk to you a little bit about, because just as far as like the depiction of polyamory and non-monogamy, and I'm going to be specific, American media as far as TV and film. What do you feel, um, can you give some examples of some shows or movies that you feel get it right? And which ones are just like, this is just setting polyamory or non-monogamy back like two, three decades? (laughs) Yeah, ah. You know, I we I, I put together a list kind of beforehand of mm-hmm. of shows that I was like, this does a good job, and it's it's sad because there isn't like a show I can point to and say, you know, this does a good job overall and tells like a really in depth story because we really haven't gotten a show that does that uh, that really is sort of about a poly character and that experience. But I do think uh, she's got to have it. The Netflix series. Uh, really did a good job of showing us from a female perspective, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, a black female poly woman doing that in power. Uh, and I think that's sort of like the most natural show we've gotten about it. But also it's not like we we never like get a moment where she's like, you know, I'm standing up for polyamory and I want to be a poly like icon. Right. Uh, it's just <laughs> sort of one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, that's an aspect of it. She is solo poly. Um, I also really did like you, me, her on Netflix, uh, which, yeah, which is really good. And it is another female, female, male, which again, Mm -hmm. very, you know, what we, we always kind of get, uh, but it does do a really good job of, of exploring the realities of the dynamic. I think, you know, like I said, a lot of times people focus on the hotness and the salaciousness and the sexiness of it. And it's one of those shows that just kind of gets into the, the like, monotony of it in the the like mm-hmm. oh it's actually mostly like about a, a lot of like you know juggling google calendars Mm-mm. um so it's very much like a, a depiction of what polyamory can look like in i don't know like a suburban or like normie world uh and so i like that uh and then obviously there's you know i guess like growing up as someone who i discovered like i kind of realized I was poly when I was like 18 just because I I was like reading books and like you know I thought I wanted to be this like weird cool pretentious kid who like who like read you know Simone de Beauvoir and stuff right right and so that's like what brought me to it and then I would also watch tons of the L word Mm -hmm. which like I like I guess technically Shane is like a poly character 
and they sometimes like get into polyamory like alice has like a little triadry relationship type deal Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's also like generation q that they brought back and they get more into polyamory but it still is just so like it's just so white focused and it's still just really like white pretty people doing it so yeah and then uh the last one i would say is uh and this this is actually my favorite depiction, and it is okay. sad because it's actually mostly a throwaway character and like a throwaway sort of storyline. Uh, but the show Single Parents on ABC, which was canceled yes! sadly, yes. yes. So Mickey, <laughs> Mickey is like one of my favorite characters. He is Polly and like gets into this like polyamorous bisexual relationship with his girlfriend and another guy, mm-hmm. and it's like a running thread throughout the show. But it's never like they're the butt of the joke. The relationship is taken seriously, but it's just very casually like Mickey will be like, oh, well, you know, I do have dinner with my like polycule that night. And it's just so casual that I I just love the way they did it in that sitcom. And I just love that it was on network TV. So me too. Yeah, I actually had uh, the actor who plays Mickey, Jake Choi. I actually had him on my show. I'll have to send you the episode. Yes, we did talk about that. And and it was it was great because Jake is very openly queer and also poly, too. Um, And I think he said that they. I think at the start of the second season, the producers had approached him and they were like, how do you feel about the storyline? And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you, um, you tell me he's Polly too. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to write that down in my notebook. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's on Twitter, the Jake Choi. He's one of the, I call him my brother from another mother. And we have like, like he's one of the few people like you can really have really smart and open conversations about this. And so I think for him, I think he definitely had some input in the storyline. Yeah. Oh my and God. I, yeah. That makes me love it so much more because I always mm-hmm. kind of wondered, I was like, you know, I, I always assumed there was like some poly writer in the writer's room who was oh, like, there is. Oh, there <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> who was like, I'm going to do us right. And would just like <laughs> throw in and sneak in these little like Mickey moments where I would be like, I see you. I know what you're doing. But to know yeah. he really like shaped that. I mean, I think in the end, that's more of what we need to see. And like mm-hmm. at the end of There Is No I in Threesome, the guy straight up says like, it was never about me being poly. It was never about polyamory. But then all the marketing is still, this is mm-hmm. an alternative to monogamy. And it's like, you know, no, it's, you're not. Still, it's not. <laughs> and you're just trying to use the like exciting, you know, sad, like the, the glitteriness of polyamory to get people to pay attention And Mm -hmm. it's like the reality of it can be seen in just like really wonderful depictions by actual poly people that are just like, oh, here's a boring storyline where me and my polycule like have a picnic together. (laughs) Right, right. And I think um, you you touch on a really good point about um, these depictions normalizing it, not exoticizing it, but just like the mundanity of like, how do we get our schedules together? Like, okay, we've got our Google yes. calendar. Like, how are we doing this? Who's doing the shopping? Who's doing the cooking? Who's doing the, you know what I mean? And I feel like maybe if we saw more of that, like, and not just it being focused just on the sex and there's nothing wrong, you know, you should be able to yeah. express yourself sexually. But I, I feel like for a lot of people who don't know about Polly, that's all they see. It's just that's like, all, it's just that's that. all you see. And and you mm-hmm. probably saw like, you know, real sex and uh, taxi mm-hmm. cab confessions. And that's most people's <laughs> introduction or like people who wear fedoras and do a lot of burlesque. Like it's, <laughs> that's the like stereotypical, horrible introduction to polyamory And it's like, no, we could just have TV shows about like poly girls who are just solo poly and have a few partners instead of Mm -hmm. so many just men with multiple wives. Like, come on, I think we're ready to to maybe change that narrative. But 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think people still have a hard time seeing women that way. And I, I you know, I, I think that'll be the change is when we see that people accept it more for male characters and it can mm-hmm. be like those throwaways, like in single parents, we'll finally kind of start to maybe see female characters who are doing it themselves and just blatantly doing it out of agency. Uh, you know, cause even, I mean, on she's got to have it. Like <laughs> that character is really messy and sloppy with her polyamory in a way where I'm a little like, Woo! you're still, <laughs> Or I'm like, you're still like making her the villain. (laughs) Right, right. Like you're still telling us we should hate her for what she's doing because she's hurting these people by not just choosing one person. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it it was that I mean, I think there were some things they 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 were they got right and she's gotta have it. I love the fact that we had a black poly queer woman. I think that was great because it's way too white. But yeah, there were some things that I was still like mm, I don't know but um I uh, there's this Netflix series called Easy <clears throat> it was on for one two three oh, yeah. I believe three seasons and oh yeah yeah. The, yeah you remember that right so it was this well, I, one- I know Easy very well I mean, it's set in Chicago oh. I have so many friends I've fr- I lived in Chicago for about seven years uh, yeah. I have so many friends who are in that show and uh, there is a an ongoing storyline about a couple that opens their marriage up uh, that you yes. follow throughout multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is uh, it's <laughs> it is painfully accurate, yes! uh, as particularly for me. <laughs> for, yes. for me, as someone who lived in Chicago, I was like, these are the exact poly couples I dated in my mid twenties. Uh, <laughs> it was so so accurate and uh-huh. incredibly well done on both ends they they show you know the wife sleep with other people they show mm-hmm. the husband sort of uh experience with it mm-hmm. and yeah it, it is really realistic i just i have an overall issue with easy where i am just like why are you presenting such a whitewashed version of chicago uh yes, why it was that why are you shooting Wicker Park the wrong way? And but if I set aside those issues, that mm-hmm. is one of the the better polyamory stories. Uh, I just wish it wasn't so focused on like the the white male husband, because uh, yeah. you know the the wife does get a chance to to express herself on it, uh, but it still is really just focused on like how is this helping this guy be a better guy? You know, right, right, yeah. I I especially love that last episode that depicted them when they met at the bar and it's just like this it's almost like I think it's 15 minutes it's almost like a 12-15 minutes where it's just the two of them just talking about it like things didn't work out with her partner so now she's like well I want to close the marriage back up like it's not it's not for me and I love that he stood his ground and he was like no yeah <laughs> you know what I mean and, but, but it wasn't I, yeah. Like, yeah but it wasn't like this patriarchal like I'm the man and but it was really like because number one she's the one who suggested that they open up the marriage a lot of people forget yes that. and she sprung it on him yeah unannounced during a, a couples therapy session and so he was like all right you know what I mean but then it was sort yeah. of like it, it's this idea of how do you deal when you're in an open relationship where your partner is happy with someone else and you don't have someone right yeah how do you how do you deal with that you know yeah and that that is a part of uh polyamory that honestly i don't know much about or experience Mm -hmm. because i'm solo poly so i don't have a primary like i don't have the sort of constant comparison of like 
is this person, you know, is my primary like getting more Tinder matches than me or like going on more dates than me. But I have experienced it from the other end where I've dated people and their primary, my meta will be like, I don't like that you're seeing more people. I want you to like cancel dates because I don't have any dates. What? And yeah, or like, you know, or I don't like that you're the one. And and we do see that in there in No I and Threesome too. Like Zoe mm-hmm. says, I think at one point, like, oh, it's so weird for me to see you go on dates because usually I'm the one who's always going on dates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, it's weird because there are couples where when that balance imbalance happens, there are people who like thrive off of it. And that is obviously very toxic and bad when right. you're like, I like that I am making my partner feel less than and I like that this is now a competition and I'm getting more dates, which is yeah. what it kind of felt like. And there is no I in threesome where like, mm-hmm. you know, she, he, she just kind of it, it just felt weird where he was like, well, you know, I keep trying with Tinder dates and she like was a little like, oh, rubbing it in his face. And he would just kind of when he finally does get another girl, he kind of rubs it in her face. But in Easy, it was definitely it didn't feel like that. It was just sort of the more realistic way of, yeah, this can happen and it sucks. And obviously you want your partner to like get as many dates as you. And it sucks that it doesn't work out for them the way that it did for you. And that's what made it so like, I don't know, engaging and better to watch. Yeah. Because you're just like, you know, it's not him like bragging or being like, oh, yeah, of course I'm doing better. Like, haha. It was just this like sad thing that was like, I am sad you couldn't find the joy that I found. Right. I mean, he was trying. And that's yeah. he was like trying to connect with her. And she was like, eh, I don't want She was yeah. like, she kept, she kept saying like, oh, you're not. Um, you, I, I don't feel you or whatever. And it was just this very manipulative they're messy, but uh, but I, I agree with you that I do think that the messiness had a truth in it. Um, yeah, and because poly characters don't need to be perfect, we don't need perfect yeah. depictions of, of polyamory. But it's really more of trying to find that truth or um, balance. Yeah, um, I did want to. There was another because I know you mentioned she's got to have it. Uh, you, me, and her. That's definitely. I think that's on Netflix. So I think if people yeah. can find that. Um, also. What's interesting is I've I've found like there are some sci-fi shows that are better at depicting polyamory. For instance, The Expanse, uh, which is on uh, it started on the Sci-Fi Channel and now it's on Amazon. Um, The current season, I I have to catch up, but the current season, one of the characters, her she's the captain of a ship called Kamina Drummer, and she's in a polyamorous like polycule like the 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 crew of her ship it's like she has two husbands and two wives or something like that you know what i mean but it's yeah. this very positive depiction and they actually have a hashtag called poly polyam belter fam which is really cool and so i i really love the fact that people are more curious to kind of watch that i mean yes it's futuristic but i i kind of like that they have that um and then yeah, someone pointed and- out to me, mm-hmm. Oh, I was just gonna, I, I feel like, yeah, sci-fi kind of has that benefit. Uh, and you see, I think, a lot more poly female characters there because typically it's like this future world where gender norms are a little more blurry. Uh, Brave mm. New World uh, also obviously has like a lot of poly characters since, you know, it's Brave really? New World. Oh, uh, yeah. So technically it's like, it's based, it's pretty much based on on the book so it pretty much closely follows this world where people aren't allowed to get married or have monogamous relationships mm-hmm. uh but it, it, technically it, it's it's a pretty good depiction of, of polyamory where you know you see other than it being you know brave new worlds where right. everyone is forced to do it 
uh, it still is able to kind of look at, you know, these sort of concepts of desire and these dynamics of wanting more than one person and what would make someone want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that um, Insecure, which is one of my favorite shows, I do yes. know that they, they tried to kind of uh, touch on with Molly's character and then her, you know, that was her childhood yeah. friend, Dro. <laughs> I think the wife knew, right? I think that's what they were saying, that the yeah. wife knew that they were seeing the, each other. Yes. So, mm-hmm. and, and that, Insecure tried, and I love Insecure, but they also, I think, you know, they're very focused, very focused on, on you know, the ratings, what's going to get people talking about the show. So yeah. they were like, yeah, let's do this open relationship thing, but they never clear up if the wife knew. It, they allude to it. They, he Like, mm-hmm. he says his wife knows, but then yeah. there's only, like, one episode where Molly meets the wife, and the wife is chill, but it mm-hmm. also doesn't seem like she actually knows. And Molly seems, like, a little shook by that. So, you know, it, they clearly wanted to play into the salaciousness of it and the, oh, no, what if Dro is a liar versus right. oh, this is an actual, like, honest poly guy. Uh, and, you know, we're going to see Molly, like, figure out her boundaries and what she really wants and doesn't want with a poly guy when she has to face his hard boundaries. Because instead it was kind of like, oh, well, maybe he's just lying, lying about everything and, you know, leading her on, which... right just is that's not ethical <laughs> that's not ethical non-monogamy so yeah they tried <laughs> they tried but mostly i think they just wanted us to hate dro and that worked so yes yeah and then one one other show i wanted to talk to you about um it was uh the episode of black mirror called striking vipers with anthony mackie and yaya mateen right so the setup is basically anthony mackie and yaya our college friends, right? Um, Anthony Mackie goes to marry, uh, goes on to marry Nicole Bahari. And then, you know, there's, it flash forwards like 10 years and, you know, Nicole Bahari and Anthony Mackie's character are sort of like the typical suburban, like Cosby family. And then Yaya kind of comes back into their lives and Yaya gives uh, <clears throat> Anthony Mackie's character like this video game. It was, it was a video game they used to play in college called Striking Vipers. And, the game has now been updated because now it has like this neural interface. Like you put it on your forehead and it's basically like you are in the game, right? So it's like you have an avatar. Um, And what's interesting about this is that I'm going to try to remember, but one of them takes on the form of an Asian man. The other one takes on the form of an Asian woman. And the only reason they start plugging into the game is for their characters to have sex with each other. And so it becomes like this really fascinating idea like are they like are yaya and anthony themselves like sexually attracted to each other and if you know what i mean like if yeah. they are you know what i mean so that was in itself there's been lots of debate about that and was it queer baiting and everything but what was fascinating to me was that uh nicole bahari the wife does find out and they basically at the end of the convert uh the end of the episode they come to this um understanding where once a year (laughs) uh, Anthony and Yaya are allowed to plug into this game and have their little affair meanwhile uh Nicole's character like basically they give each other a box and they each put their wedding rings in it so it's like one night uh one day of the year when it's Anthony Mackie's birthday he's allowed to interface with Yaya's characters sexually right through the avatars and Nicole Bahari gets to go to a bar like she gets to sleep with other people now i i went to the screening okay netflix had a screening we saw it 
Uh, now, the episode was not the best. It's definitely not the best episode of, of um, Black Mirror, but I think it brought up some very interesting ideas. But what was fascinating to me was the reactions of the women that were there. These are like, you know, women critics. I'm friends with them or whatever. But I noticed that they were so offended by this episode, particularly offended by Nicole Bahari going out to go you know, find somebody like, oh, this isn't right and everything. And yeah. I just I just found it so hilarious. I'm like, well, I mean, she's exercising her right. Like, yeah, it's like that <laughs> is a perfect depiction of ethical non-monogamy. Exactly. If you and your partner get together and say, hey, once a year we get to do this. Here are your rules. Here are my rules. Mm-hmm. That's what like that's her decision and empowering decision that she makes. And that's ethical non-monogamy. So like right. what, you know, <laughs> what is the problem? Except that you think like, you know, I don't know, that she should be so hurt that her man is feeling love for someone else that she shouldn't seek that herself or or like, I don't see, you know, what problem can you have with that? Right. If right. If the if the person's OK with it. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I had a conversation because my friend went to the screening with me and I mean, I can't assume what a lot of people, I don't know what's in people's heads, but I do know that, and I mean, maybe you can, you can speak on it. I think particularly for the black community, because we've had such a history of our family being, being broken. Right. And so there's a certain investment, right. As far as like protecting the black family. Right. So the idea has to be that it has to be hetero and it has to be monogamous because that's what a strong black family is. So what it does is it it kind of excludes this idea of imagination or creativity or what kinds of black families we can have. Yeah. And, and also in that same vein, in, you know, sort of the misogynoir that we face, Mm -hmm. the person who is most often seen as like, you know, destroying the black family is black women. (laughs) Woo! Is that they they love to blame black women for you know why black men have be, been devalued in in the black family and so when you have a black woman who says I'm gonna be poly in my family I'm gonna you know have multiple partners it's I think maybe really easy to go well look at this <laughs> look at this right. black woman tearing apart her family you know she should do this instead instead of you know bringing in outside people and more drama she should get herself together and focus on like why her man needs someone other than her and if she was you know they they're quick to project you know those sort of that that I don't know they're they're quick to project like the insecurities onto the woman or to say there must be something wrong with her if he is seeking this outside of your relationship instead of saying oh this actually benefits both of you and adds to your relationship right right because it's it's a certain ownership like we're seeing it play out in real time with Lori harvey right this relationship she has with michael b jordan and like the like just the reactions of certain black men who are just so offended by they were like oh she's got a high body count michael yeah. b jordan could do, oh he's um i think who was it that rapper i forgot who it was he was like uh he's a simp you know what i mean like yeah. why would like you, oh, why yeah. would he do this for a woman that they see is less valuable because she's had so many partners or you know they'll say things like let's see if she grows up and you know takes him seriously now or if she keeps playing games as though a woman just you know exploring her options is, is playing games right <laughs> instead of just you know normal dating and you know finding someone she really clicks with and likes but no to them it's always this aspect of of i don't know you know the scheming woman and oh my Mm -hmm. gosh this woman 
you know, wanting to destroy men or something. And <laughs> when you throw like polyamory into it, uh, I don't know. I, I think people, I, I don't know. I think just black female sexuality scares people. <laughs> Very and, much so. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. And, and if it's not happen, if it's not happening within the confines of like a traditional relationship or traditional monogamy, it scares people even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we saw that with like Halle Berry. Somebody posted something on her Instagram last week where they were like, how Halle Berry can't keep a man. And I loved yeah. what she responded. She was like, I didn't want to keep them. Like, what did you yeah. say? <laughs> like, I didn't, why do you think I want, I didn't want to keep them? It's like, right. Come you on, know, now. it's still, yeah, it's still this thing where people think like, oh, the, the only prize a black woman could want is a man. And it's like, no. <laughs> we're not no that's not that's not what you know anybody's fighting for here like we yeah yeah so um before we end are there any like resource for anybody listening who are like who is like well i want to know more about polyamory and non-monogamy not in the context of that documentary but for real for real yes well anything anything better that is better than no i and threesome like use that as a guide for how not to do polyamory um right it's good for that uh but um i i do think mostly we're still at a a time where like sadly the best things are still books um you know i can't say that there's there's like a really good documentary on polyamory I recommend to people, but I really love uh, the book opening up by Tristan Tormino. I think that is where everyone should start. Uh, It breaks down just the definitions and differences between different kinds of ethical non-monogamy and polyamory and swinging. And I think it really will help people figure out, you know, there isn't one way to do this. There's no right way to do it. But how might I personally want to do this in my life if it's an interest that you've had? Mm -hmm. Um, And also there's The Ethical Slut. That's a book that I think is... I just got it. I just got my copy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one that is like the Bible, the original on, you know, ethical non-monogamy. So I I think everyone has to go with it. Uh, And then actually, interestingly enough, uh, the current season of 90 Day Fiancé Mm-hmm. has a couple Tariq and Hazel and they are in the process they've they've just started opening their relationship and the show is like depicting them as she moves to America they have 90 days to get married and then also they're trying to like find a girlfriend and what? yeah and it's like one of the first like reality shows I've seen that is actually doing a really good job of like showing polyamory because it's not just like ooh they want to have threesomes and get a girlfriend but it's very like okay, so I have a kid and how am I going to be a poly person and, you know, be a good parent and what are the boundaries that I create there? And they're doing a really good job of like not just making it like reality show fodder. So <laughs> I would say right. check it out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just, I found this podcast last year. It's called Polyamory Weekly um, with uh, the host is Cunning Mix. She's a, a She's not queer. Well, she's definitely Polly. Um, and at, let, I think they have like over 600, close to 600 episodes. So I got to tell people, like, if you've got a question about Polly or non-monogamy, there's probably an episode that they have on there. So I, I've oh, been yeah. finding it really, really 
helpful. So, well, thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time to speak to us. <laughs> thank yeah, you. And thanks for having me. Thank you for letting me yell about that movie. Oh, absolutely. No, I just, I really needed, I was just like, this is some nonsense. What is it? Like my friend and I, we were just texting each other while we were watching it because we did, you know, we just pressed play together and we were just texting each other like, oh my God, this is a disaster. I hate this. Can, I hate this. Can, so I mention, can I mention, can I mention the one wildest thing that I forgot to mention? Yes, please. Is that... Is that once you realize it was all a twist and he hired actors to remake everything, you mm-hmm. realize, yet again, he hired actors so that he could call his real mother and reenact a conversation with his real mother where he was just like, hey, mom, here's who I have sex with. Oh, my God. And his mom just is like, <laughs> I guess I care. <laughs> right. Like the mom was the second best character where she was just like, I like uh, I don't know why you're telling me any of this, but okay, son. Right. But see, that contextualizes everything now because she had time to process it, which is probably why she yeah. wasn't as upset. Where you're like, she's like, Yeah, this all happened five years ago, but I'll pretend to be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so uh tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. Yeah, it's at the Ashley Ray on Instagram, Twitter, uh, or you can listen to my podcast, TV I Say with Ashley Ray on Spotify, all your podcast stuff. Uh, it's all about TV uh, and, you know, the people who make it. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. <laughs> <laughs>